a golden god! An equal amount of blueberries in each muffin. To a new world of gods and monsters. <laughs> I don't know who's weirder, you or me. You just put the law in my hands, and I'm gonna break your heart. Nobody puts baby in the Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. There is no Hello and welcome back to Movies for a Life. I'm one of your co-hosts, Michelle Aiken. And I'm your other co-host, Brian Kuyper. Now, I know we said at the end of our last episode that we were going to be doing our little Craven double feature here with My Soul to Take and Red Eye, but we've had a little change of plans. It was just one of those things. Um, we both watched both movies and I'm a... Sorry to say, neither of us were really feeling my soul to take. And I, yeah. I, I go back and forth with that movie. Sometimes I re- there are elements of it that I really, really like. And there are others that just don't work for me at all. So I, I just wasn't feeling up to talking about it, I think. I don't hate it, no. but I don't think I like enough about it Yeah, that we could had a, as good of a conversation about it as we usually do with the movies. So instead of talking about both movies, we're going to do a focused episode where we just discuss Red Eye uh, from 2005, one of two movies that were released, directed by Wes Craven <laughs> that year, uh, the other one being the aptly titled Cursed, um, <laughs> which is a movie that I think we Still like I it. think we both like. Uh, I think you like it more than I do. It's, it's a lot of fun. At times, yeah. Um, I I think... <laughs> the werewolf flips off. The, the, the werewolf flipping the off is amazing. <laughs> you know, you get you can't... I can't dislike a movie that where the werewolf flips off. But I do know that uh, Craven was pretty worn out by the time that movie finally was finished. He was just ready to be done with it. I believe it. He had gone through three major shoots and was just a kind of a wild, it just kept being changed and altered. And those who must not be named kept on screwing with it. And he was just like, I'm done. And I'm have no plans of working with this particular company again. Until he did oh, on screen four, um, but that's well. another story, um, and that's a different situation. So anyway, that was cursed, uh, which you know it'd be interesting to see that footage. I don't think we ever will, but no. <laughs> um, it, it's just kind of one of those fascinating what could have been kinds of movies. Um, and who knows? It might have been great, and in that other form, it might have been. Not I. Who knows? <laughs> it's who there knows? are so many questions about those kinds of things. So 
a lot of people still like it for what it is, despite yeah. anything that happened. Kind of the same with My Soul to Take, too. I mean, I know a lot of people that think it's not really that bad. And a lot of yeah. people who have a lot of problems with it. So, I mean, whatever. Yeah, but I think I- a lot more people will agree that Red Eye is a huge, underrated, maybe, gem in his filmography. Yeah, I actually think, you know... I can I sort of break Craven's career up into three parts. You've got his early movies that take you up to through Swamp Thing, right? And then you've got the central core, which is him as sort of the auteur, the ones that he really made. He wrote and directed most of them. Um, you know, that's from Nightmare to Nightmare, so Nightmare on Elm Street to New Nightmare. And then technically, it's part of that. I I usually include. Uh, vampire in brooklyn but i just don't that which is another one it's fine it's fun (laughs) yeah um then the third section of his career being scream to scream four i actually think with the exception of the very best scream movies this is craven's best movie of that era yeah though i gotta give a shout out for my uh sentimental favorite oh, right you know <laughs> of music, music of the heart i think is a, is a really really nice movie and uh, it is. i don't I, I don't think it's necessarily one of his greatest but i think it's a really really solid film and one that is genuinely underrated but we've already talked about that yes we have <laughs> we are talking about one of his uh, it's a pg-13 movie and it's a thriller so it's mm-hmm. it's sort of a little bit different from a lot of what he was doing anyway as yeah. well. So I, I think that is another thing that's really interesting. It's sort of his chance to make a claustrophobic Hitchcock thriller. And mm-hmm. uh, I think it, it's kind of thing he kind of always wanted to do, I think, too, because it if it's focus on suspense over gore uh, was something that he always like preferred to do, even though a lot of his his best known work is bloody as well. <laughs> um, he really, after the experience of last house on the left was like, I want to focus on making movies that are suspenseful, not just right. violent and gory. This is that. And I, and I, and I like that a lot about it. And there's a lot other, other stuff to like about this one too. I mean, the length uh-huh. It's, <laughs> it's nice and short, gets right to the point. Streamlined, yeah. And it's not the whole movie, but it's another um, one of uh, my favorite types of movies where a lot of it takes place in one location. Yeah. Not the whole movie, like I said, but a good amount of it, like the, the, the core of the movie takes place on the on the airplane, which we've talked about that plenty of times before. Like we, we love that stuff when it's very much focused on uh, there's, I mean, there's a little bit of action going on throughout the movie and on the airplane a little bit, but it's mostly when it's just the two of them and uh, the characters, it's a lot. It's that's when the movie is the most interesting to me, especially this time around. I I definitely saw a lot more in it that kind of reinforces uh, a lot of what I thought about um, the main character of Lisa, who's one of my favorite heroines. Yeah, she's, she's really terrific. Uh, character and Rachel McAdams, uh, you know him having, I guess, a list stars I, I, or mm-hmm. a, or about to be a <laughs> list stars in this movie. <laughs> it was was a nice element too. I mean, DreamWorks yeah. after the experience of Cursed, he was like, okay, DreamWorks said, okay, here's our script, uh, do whatever you want with it, and he was like, <laughs> okay, and it, it was, and they were like, we're hiring Wes Craven. You know what to do. 
just do it. And he was like, you're not going <laughs> to second guess me every s- single step of the way here? What do, what do you know? Um, so that's... That's why you hire somebody like Wes Craven. Yeah, he was very forthright. There's an interview he did, I think, with Fangoria around the time that Cursed was finally getting finished, where he was very frank. He was just like, I'm done with with Cursed. <laughs> And I'm looking forward to making Red Eye because they actually are letting me do what I want to do. It was just like... Nice. Yeah. I mean, I he had no fucks left to give, as they say. Right. Um, it was... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and he, he got away with it with their... Um, anyway, I kind of like the way this movie... I really like the way this movie sets up, too, even before we get mm-hmm. to uh, the airplane. Because... Okay, this is another thing about Wes Craven. He always felt he could make a really good romantic comedy. And <laughs> that's kind of the setup of this. You know, that. if there are two <laughs> things that, that, that clue you in that it's not that. The whole thing with the case being pulled out of the fish container at the opening, sort of the spy workcraft stuff. And, I like all that that montage yeah. of like them stealing her dad's mm-hmm. wallet. and Yeah. Like the yeah, the thing with the fish and going into the truck that that's obviously not fish. Right. That's something sinister going on. That like yeah, like it's very much like a Mission Impossible movie almost yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and the music sort of clues you in uh-huh. that it's not right. that it's not that kind of a movie. However, I mean, she she works in a hotel, she's getting in the, she's in the she's talking her her uh coworker through the whole thing. Cynthia, I love Cynthia. Cynthia, she's great. <laughs> and I I like, you know, the and when we get towards the end we'll talk. This is very much like <laughs> not exactly I guess I guess females in trouble able to rise to the occasion. They don't just freak out, they don't go into hysterics or any of that mm-hmm. sort of stuff, which Craven usually always hated too. So he yeah. was like his his heroines are some of the strongest in, you know, horror thriller cinema. I mean, you think of yeah. Nancy Thompson, you think of Sydney Prescott. Sydney, hello. <laughs> yeah, you even think of you think of like Mrs. Collingwood in Last House on the Left. I mean, she like bites off a dude's dick. Sure. To... <laughs> <laughs> He's always had strong, determined female heroines. You know, well, obviously if they're female if they're heroines. I am so. <laughs> it's Brian's a little loopy. Today. I'm, I'm a little loopy. Okay. <laughs> So anyway, well, I, and they kind of set that up right away that um, Rachel McAdams is uh, Lisa Reisert and yeah, she's in the cab and she gets a call from Cynthia. And so it kind of very much sets up that she's an important person mm-hmm. at the hotel that she works at in Miami, that she, you know, has the authority to change things for um, not um, what was it? Not asshole guests but ones with special needs special? <laughs> she says there's her bob and marion taylor <laughs> yeah but she kind of as she says um a little bit later on in the movie that she's very much a people pleaser mm-hmm. and i think that's really and that's really important to her character too and so she's definitely learned you can kind of see how this skill i mean if you kind of know what the movie is about you can see how this skill that she shows in this early scene is probably gonna come in handy for her later her ability yeah. to, to talk to people and solve problems with difficult people, you know? Yeah. And and there's also something that you see set up, like when she gets to the airport and they're having to reroute all these passengers onto different planes and the guy who's sort of mm-hmm. 
goes off. And it's like a lot of this is about how people treat people who work in customer service, <laughs> including Killian Murphy's character, <laughs> which is really kind of funny because he's in customer service of a form himself, as we sort of discover <laughs> as he goes on. It's something that comes sure. up. It's really weird, you know, but it's funny. It's it's almost like because he's the one who actually stands up. Killian Murphy, um, who plays, uh, we don't find out his name for a while, actually. He plays Jackson, Jackson Ripner. Ripner. He doesn't go by Jack uh, because Jack Ripner. <laughs> Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Great name, though. Jackson Ripner. Yeah. That's a great villain name. I mean, that's a good come name. on. But I love the way the characters are uh, very efficiently introduced. You have mm-hmm. the woman in line who loves the Dr. Phil books, you know, which becomes an important <laughs> plot point. Uh, and all of that stuff, you know, the, the doctor who's the guy who's fighting with the, uh, the airline, um, you know, ticket attendant, it's all really done woven into this early section so well. Mm-hmm. Well, and before that too, there was, um, she was on the phone with her dad. Yeah. That's very important too, because actually very important now that I think about it for, um, seeing the layout of his house too. Yeah, kind of. I think yep. that's important for later on because you kind of um, yeah. they're talking about you know, he's getting some remodeling done and just a really sweet moment like between you know father and daughter when he he says that he's doing all this remodeling in his house but he's kept her room the same and yep. I don't know kind of seeing the movie as much as I have and like knowing you know what you know about the characters later on you can I think you can see in that scene too like a lot of love between the two of them that he has for her and oh, the, the care and concern and definitely the worry like we talk like they talk about later and you know that's the first time that it brings up the thing that Lisa has with um people asking her how she is cuz uh, they have the conversation about like are you are you okay like dad I'm fine like you're just going to have to start taking my word for it you know yeah. and that actually also becomes something very important with her character later on yeah i, I think there's also a these wonderful little things that are dropped in there and just mentioned in passing that are never really resolved, but I think are interesting. Like he asks how her mother is. She says, Oh, she's fine. Uh, You know, I mean, there's, there's there's just not a lot of information given, but you know that they're separated or divorced Mm -hmm. and it's probably fairly recent. The, you know the mother is not in the picture with him anymore but she is sort of between both of them <laughs> you kind of get that yeah. impression which i think adds to her character too and i like some of these things like uh she ends up having the drink with jackson and they're talking and and it ends up loosening him, her up so much to him he's comes across as very charming i think there's a lot of sense of misdirect going on in this opening stuff uh and i Mm. and it made me wonder this is a thought but i gotta say my favorite line from this um uh, (laughs) yeah jackson asks you know what what, (laughs) because her grandma lived to be 90 91 91 i think she says and says oh what's the secret to long life and she says grape nuts and a guy named duke um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is just like the, the funniest. Gra- the grape nut, the grape nuts kept her arteries clean, and Duked helped with the rest. <laughs> yeah. Which is just that's just so funny. Go grandma. <laughs> yeah, that is so funny. 
But I really, like, this is my thought experiment. Okay. Or, oh, wait a minute. You had something else you wanted to say before that, though. Go ahead. Okay. All right. So it seems to me Craven. I have a thought experiment too, a little bit too. Oh, okay. <laughs> it seems to me that Craven is really trying to misdirect the audience in the first act. Now, if the movie kind of didn't have the espionage stuff at the beginning, if it was just sort of, and maybe a different score at the beginning or something uh-huh. do you think that the turn when he says that line while they're on the plane do you think that we would actually be thinking we're watching a different kind of movie and this would be like a from dust till dawn level kind of switch if you hadn't seen a trailer or anything yeah yeah I mean there are the little hints at the beginning like the because like I with the montage of the um, her dad's wallet getting stolen exactly, and he, he mentioned he mentions that on the phone call he mentions like well the guys were there remodeling that he lost his wallet so i was like so if you're not but that's that's really easy to not pick up on yeah so, oh yeah i definitely yeah. think if you didn't if you went into this movie totally blind like you wouldn't really know what to be expecting at all yeah I mean, and that could especially if a few totally of those things things weren't in there. It's like, could could you be thinking, oh, this is this is like a a little meet cute they're having? Yeah, and, oh, totally. <laughs> I don't know. I like that idea. I, you know, I think that's fun. That's what's so hard about like with a movie that you've seen so many times. Like, I wish I could go back to when I first saw it and you know, like remember what my reaction was to that, that turn happening, or if I even knew to expect something like that coming. Or almost like if you imagine like Julia Roberts and uh, George Clooney in these (laughs) roles, you know, kind of at a different, a different stage of their careers, you know, maybe Killian Murphy is a little too intense. His eyes are a little bit too intense to be, to be a romantic comedy lead. Maybe. Yeah. If he was maybe more of a, more of a Clooney kind of, kind of character, that's got a little bit of, you know, that (laughs) a little more jovial, jovial sense to it yeah yeah but then the intensity that he plays when he gets there you know is oh, yeah. really i love it so anyway that's that was just my little thought <laughs> no i like that <laughs> i hadn't thought of that before that you can totally like i said just like if you know what's happening it's hard to see it like that now yeah. but yeah you can just imagine yeah, going in blind you're thinking oh look they're so cute together and he's so charming yeah and she's a little standoffish but yeah. maybe he's working on her. <laughs> right, right. Which is why I kind of like these earlier scenes too. I, I saw a little bit more in them this time than I did before. Um, especially her like having lying about uh, what kind of drink she likes, even though he guesses, we find out later that he guesses correctly, like that yep. she drinks, what is it? Sea breezes? Yeah. Instead of bay breezes. Because um, before um, she goes to go have a drink with Jack is when she she sees him first at the bar and considers like going over and joining him because he invited her over to have nachos or whatever. And then she just immediately turns away. And that's when she gets clobbered by the mocha. Right. And she has to go in the bathroom and we see the scar on her chest. Yes. When she takes off her shirt mm-hmm. to clean herself up. So, I mean, that's obviously a hint. Uh, I guess we'll just, it's kind of a reveal or something later on, but just to say now because i think there's some stuff that happens in the movie that is really a lot of what the movie is about to me now when i watch it is a kind of about her character and what she's been through too yeah so she has the like the scar on her chest because um you know she was sexually assaulted two years prior mm-hmm. so i'm what i'm seeing a lot in these earlier scenes like her lying and, and not really wanting to i mean that's about you know the the effects of a trauma like that is you know, you lose a lot of trust in people. 
Sure. Especially strangers. Yeah. And you can, it's kind of um, heartbreaking, like watching her, like wanting, you know, like, like I said, like when she had seen him before and thought about going over meeting him, like, oh, maybe I could, you know, meet somebody finally. And she changes her mind. And uh, when she lies to him about, her drink i mean that's just that's her protecting herself mm-hmm. and not letting anyone getting too close yeah yeah so um i and you just see a lot of those little things because to me like this movie is a lot about dealing with that kind of tra- not like the trauma of the incident itself but all the effects that it has in your life and not directly related to what happened you know it's it's the loss the loss of trust in people the iso- self-isolation and stuff you can see that a lot in her character and her dealing with that and ultimately not maybe not overcoming it at the end, but definitely doing a lot better. I mean, for it only being happening, having happened two years ago, she's doing pretty damn good yeah, yeah. to me, you know, <laughs> took me a lot longer than that. And then that's when you can um, when you go back and watch the movie, knowing that about her character and like knowing about like, you know, that uh, the thing with her dad and always asking, like, are you OK? Mm-hmm. And I'm fine. You know, you can see a lot more in that now because. No, you're not okay all the time. Right. right. But definitely good that she has that kind of support system. Yeah. And, you know, when we find out the nature of of, uh, Jackson, she was, you know, of course, right about him. She was right to misdirect and said, you know, because he says something. One of the lines he says later is, I watched you for however many months and you never ordered anything but a sea breeze. Mm -hmm. He was learning how to be charming for her. So it's not a bad idea, even if you haven't been through something like that. It's not a bad idea to not reveal those kind of personal facts to total strangers. Right. <laughs> and I like what she says, too. It kind of goes along with that. What she says about her grandma in this scene, too, I really like. The thing about the grape nuts. Yeah, it's, that's hilarious. But um, Rachel McAdams is so good. And like she really is, these yeah. little these little like facial expressions that mm-hmm. she can do. And just like oh, what you can see that there's a lot more going on when she says like, um, that nothing fazed her and that she was so optimistic and she said to always look forward and you can see that she's she's like really struggling with that line that concept and she's like always look forward and it's like that's a hard thing to to think about you know getting through the next day sometimes is even harder when you're dealing with what something that she's dealing with absolutely mm-hmm. and sort of you know the setups for everything continue uh, as they get onto the plane, uh, you have the woman mm-hmm. who's always asking for help with her bag. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know one, which one criticism really... I will give about this movie and like any movie really where they're like on a plane or a train or something, people mind their own fucking business. Like they don't. Yeah, <laughs> there's too. There's always like too much interaction between like total strangers on planes. It's like people just kind of like put their stuff up. They don't talk to anybody else, and they yeah. sit down, like Usually, the good ones, yeah. the ones that don't yeah. want to make a scene. You know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but you can't do that in a movie. Obviously, you gotta have. Yeah. Also, you know the little <laughs> setup of the of the of the younger girl. I love her. Yeah. What's her name? Uh, uh, it was like Lori or something like Lauren. It must be Rebecca because that's the only name in the top here that I see that makes any sense. We'll go with Rebecca then. One of the smartest people on the plane. She Rebecca. Is. Yeah, very observant. Very observant. Yep. And she, she knows what she's doing. But, you know, then then sort of like the charmingness of it all sort of continues as they're seated next to each other. <gasps> what a coincidence. What a coincidence. I'm, si- I'm sitting right there. Yeah. And... <laughs> And then he just sort of casually, they're just starting, continuing the small talk, you know, so what do you do? And he says, oh, government overthrows high 
profile assassinations, that kind of thing. And it's like, it sounds like a joke. It sounds like, you know, you know, in Patrick, ba- right. Patrick Bateman in American Psycho. Oh, I'm into uh, murders, murders and executions. Murders and executions. Oh, mergers and acquisitions. Huh? So it's just kind of, kind of funny the, at first, you know, it's like, he's, sure. I, yeah, he's keeping up with the charming mm-hmm. stuff through that whole time, like uh, distracting her when the the plane takes off because she says something about how she's scared flying. And so he kind of talks to her and asks her about her family and you know yeah. parents and everything. That's when you find out all the stuff about dad is retired and mm-hmm. mom lives in Texas or whatever. He's in Miami. And another kind of important thing that she says here, too, is like when she talks about her dad being retired. So work time is changed to worry time. Mm-hmm. And he asks, Jax asks her, you know, does he have reason to worry about you? And this kind of this line kind of breaks my heart, too. And she says, like, if he does, you know, he just has to get used to the fact that life changes and sometimes things happen. Yeah. And that just kind of kills me a little bit that mm-hmm. the way that she like it's not just a, a thing that happened you know it's a very major life event that yeah. she obviously still has to deal with a little bit more too but i mean i understand i definitely understand all those feelings like wanting sure. to minimize it and not obviously not talk about it or even think about it but yeah just, obviously it's know. had a profound effect whether she sure. wants to really acknowledge that or not yeah know, that line just like really hurt me and just just like or like later on when you know, he says something about um, you know bad things happening to good people. Those are those are just like all the kind of thoughts that you have, like when you're trying to to deal with it. You know, and sometimes it's like oh, just things happen and you got to deal with it somehow, mm-hmm. and that's a way to like push it away and not actually deal with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of feels like that's what she's doing. So I mean, the whole sequence here on the plane. I mean, just the way it is—it's so uncomfortable. Yeah, when... it's very claustrophobic. It's very intimate. Yeah. Well, though, like the whole jokey thing when she's she's kind of nervous, but she thinks he's still joking when he's trying to say like, "My my job is all about you right now and your dad <laughs> and everything." Right. And she's that's so it's so uncomfortable because he just immediately turns and it, he's not that kind of charming guy that maybe she was thinking about you know meeting up with later on you know in yeah. miami like maybe that thought had crossed her mind and it's so and again rachel mcadams so good at playing this she plays it kind of the right way where she's yeah. like still trying to like be cool but absolutely on on guard when yeah. he starts talking like this yeah absolutely and you know another thing about this movie is you know putting yourself in 2005 and thinking about this uh, this is a right. movie that deals with terrorism that takes place on an airplane. Yeah, so this is this was a raw nerve. Still, I remember. Oh yeah. Um, I remember when Flight ninety three came out. People just like it's too soon, too soon. You can't right. do this. Yeah. And I think there was a sense of discomfort with this movie, but it's also because it's a fictional story. It's a way that of mm-hmm. dealing with some of those fears that so many people were still experiencing so acutely at that time you know just the the idea of being on a plane and you know and and the fact that this guy is working with terrorists who are working to assassinate this homeland security uh yeah (laughs) uh i can't remember the head of homeland security it's just like this is serious, tough stuff for that period mm. of time. It still is, of course, but I mean, then it's just amplified on a level that was really intense. 
She has that line too, and she still thinks she's kind of joking when she's like, "As long as you're not, you know, hijacking, hijacking the, the plane." Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, he turns the focus back to her. No, this is all about you. You know, it's basically do this thing for us. Have this guy yeah. switch rooms, or we're going to kill your father. Yeah, and that's what it comes down to. I mean, and it's she's she's not a person of so much significance you know she's the person that can have a hotel room changed and that's that's it it's just like so she's just this person that's so relatable in that sense you know because a lot Mm -hmm. of us have certain level reach a certain level of responsibility in sort of a mediocre mundane job (laughs) if you will right Mm-hmm. But we're the sort of key to this plot, you know. That's really yeah. uh, a cool way to do to do that. I hadn't really seen that kind of thing before, you know, where you have where the person who is picked is not someone of seemingly high importance, you know. And I think yeah. that's really cool the way that's done and really smart. And even if it feels like this is a very elaborate plot, you know, to. Uh-huh get her just to make one phone call to change this guy's room. I mean, it, he even explains too, that the only reason that he's doing it this way, actually on the airplane is because her grandmother died and she had to fly to Texas real quick. And then she's flying back to Miami now. Yeah. So, I mean, this, I mean, this would have been a cool movie if he had like come to her apartment too. And it could have been like a, you know, two person show like going on, you know, like this whole cat and mouse thing between the two of them. If he had, like taking her hostage in her own apartment or something, you know, something sure. like that, you know? But it's yeah. very, it's even cooler when it's on an airplane, you know? Yeah. And you have all these um, sort of quirks of the technology at the time, too. You uh-huh. know, like you have the uh, air phones, which th- that's not really a thing anymore, <laughs> you know? I don't uh, think so, is it? <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen those on air- on planes in a while. But it- it's just... I don't remember ever seeing them on one. <laughs> I think that's only for like big international flights, maybe. Yeah, I, re- <laughs> I was never I on remember... a big, cool enough plane for one. Sure, I remember the having those on there for a few flights that I that I was on when I was younger, but you know, by not that long after, you know, 05 here, they just weren't mm. in use anymore. Um, because <laughs> if there was an emergency, you know, if there was an emergency situation, your cell phone would actually work right. <laughs> at, at that altitude. Um, it but, wasn't, weren't the phone calls like insanely expensive insanely too? Insanely <laughs> expensive, yes. So like, I remember that too. So like every time that he swipes her credit card, I'm just like, ouch, what are you charging her? Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. (laughs) She's going to have a bill of like $400 from all the times that he tried to call somebody on the phone. Uh, But again, like she's so good when she's, when um, she realizes what's going to happen, especially when she realizes that they're going to not just assassinate this guy, but like that his whole family is with him. And she's obviously a very caring, loving person. She knows this guy is a regular at her hotel and she kind of breaks down a little bit and starts crying. And I don't know. I just kind of love those little moments where she's really trying to to hold it all together especially like when the the flight attendant comes over like she does so good and jack i'm gonna call him jack even though he doesn't like it yeah you do that (laughs) i will it's uh this uh what he says to her here like really kind of pisses me off but it's another kind of thing it's important to his character um like she's losing it for very good reason like what she's going through right now but when he's like 
whatever female-driven, emotion-based dilemma you're dealing with right now, <laughs> you have my sympathy. But for the sake of time and sanity, I think something like that. Yeah, let's let's break this down in a little uh, male-driven, fact-based logic. And like, yeah, what can make you hate this guy even more? Right. You know, <laughs> right? Ah. Right. But she's again, she's still she's so good. And she that's why it kind of amazes me, like where she is in her healing journey right now. Like she's still able to keep that down and play the cat and mouse with him because before she'll make the call, she wants to talk to her dad first to make sure that he's okay because uh, one of Jack's guys is outside of his house, you know, waiting for the the signal, you know, to go in and and kill him if he has to. She's always, if he comes at her with something, like she comes right back at at him with something. That's what I love about like the play between the two of them is that she does really good against him, you know, in this situation. She's all, that's why she's one of my favorites because she's awesome. She remains completely rational and yes. at no point, even when she's emotional and clearly frightened. She, she needed she, that moment, yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, she never flies into hysterics or something like that. That would be cliche and not very interesting. She takes her time when she gets the opportunity to like completely break down in the bathroom, yep. you know? But I mean, that's what anybody would need to do. <laughs> I, I think that little sequence is, really, that scene, is really good mm-hmm. where she's, yeah, the bathroom. She's so good. Yeah. And that's where she has her interaction with the little girl, too. Uh, But, I mean, she's trying all these different things. Like, Mm -hmm. the woman comes over with the Dr. Phil book, and she's like, let me just uh, write down for you some of my favorite parts. Right. You know, let me just highlight my favorite parts. And then, of course, she gets caught. He freaking headbutts her. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How did no one see that? I know. How did no one notice that? Willful suspension of disbelief. I don't know. I know. Yeah. I know. But, but like you said, people minding their own business. <laughs> like the flight attendants too. That one that's just got so much attitude and is just like done with it yeah. all and done with everybody. <laughs> I love her. Yeah. Yeah. It, and that's one of the things that's cool about this is, you know, even characters that are in there for a very short amount of time feel very fleshed out. You feel like you know everything you need to know about them and you could fill in more on a lot of them. Yeah. You just kind of know and part of it is you have really good actors. A lot of like, oh, I recognize this person kinds of yeah. people in this movie. So the very reliable character actors, whether you can name them or not, is another Like, I thing. totally know the Dr. Phil lady, but I yeah, don't know totally. her name. Absolutely. I, I've totally seen her before, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, at this point, I think even Killian Murphy was kind of one of those actors. I don't know if I knew him yeah, this time. Yeah, because I'm trying to think what else I had but then when he popped up in Batman, I was like, oh, yeah, I know him. He was in Red Eye. He's in Batman? <laughs> he was, yeah, he's in um, in uh, Batman Begins. He's Scarecrow. Oh. Uh, anyway. I don't think I saw that one. Oh, okay. So, and then, you know. Or were those two, like, uh, teenage boys? Uh-huh. Two? Yeah. You kind of get, <laughs> they're just, like, fun little teenage boys. I mean, obviously, she just uses them for a weapon yeah even they're kind of fun to watch and the and little rebecca Mm -hmm. giving jack the eye sometimes because she knows something's not cool with this guy she just has a feeling and when they sort of encounter each other at the bathroom she says her line no you can go first you were here first 
but she's kind of watching Jack during that time, it seems. Uh, she just has a sense about it all, which comes into play at the very end. Well, I mean, not the very end, but at the end of the this sort of second act, I guess, where uh, they're on the plane. So after she wakes up and she makes the, the first phone call attempt yeah. to the hotel, again, still being able to stay on her toes and, and try to trick him a little bit yeah. when the phone calls cuts out and doesn't work anymore and so she tries to pretend that she's still on the phone with cynthia again she's caught yeah of course because jackson is observant and he's smart too Mm -hmm. i mean that you don't you don't have a smart heroine and a dumb and a dumb villain you know i mean they really are matched they're kind of intellectually and sort of as far as their wits go they're pretty well matched Mm -hmm. you know so, oh, yeah. uh, which makes it so much more interesting if there was, in, than if it was not the case, you know? I think your, your, your hero is only as good as your villain, right? They say. Yeah. And I think this is a good example of that because both of them are so good, uh, and play each other off each other so well throughout the whole movie. And he just keeps trying to like poke at her mm. personally, which really pisses me off oh yeah but i mean he also knows that it's going to be effective he knows that's going to get yeah. to her though he doesn't know he's doing his about job what ha- <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know it's like yeah he doesn't know about exactly what happened to her but he's just kind of like unintentionally like poking at those things that really hurt when she tries to you know convince him that like i know charles keefe he's a good man that's when he says the line about you know sometimes bad things happen to good people like you yeah. And that's when he kind of he talks about how he's been watching her and been watching her for like eight weeks and that her life revolves around her work and like she occasionally will go out and ask her like you know what turned you into such a loner and again her face uh, just kills me because she's not gonna tell this guy anything like that but it's all over her face yeah. the thing that she doesn't want to say. And it gets even more intense and probably even like so much more difficult for her dealing with that. That's when she goes to the bathroom. She takes her moment to break down. Like I said, she does. Yep. She's so good in that scene. And she writes um, again. Yeah. With the the plain stuff, when she writes uh, with the soap on her hands, she writes 18 F has bomb. Yeah. (laughs) She she knew. So she knew exactly what, you know, she had to say to get get the kind of attention. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That needed to get the attention that she needed. Yeah, absolutely. And this scene, like when he comes in and attacks her, like that's that's so intense. Oh yeah, that's got to be like so hard for her too. Yeah. And he sees the scar on her chest and kind of goads her about it. Like, just, just, I like what she says in here too. And he asks, you know, did somebody do that to you? And she says no. Mm-hmm. Um. So she is, is again kind of lying to him and like you know, obviously not wanting to reveal anything. But uh, that's also kind of feels like a little bit of her trying to take something back. You know? Yes. I think so too. Yeah, because mm-hmm. the position that he's putting her in, like, it, yeah, it's like physically in this scene is is a little bit like an assault too. I mean, it is an assault. It is um, mm-hmm. like pinning her up against the wall, and she's um, she's not. I, I forget. There's because it's um, it's really different because this scene also kind of mirrors um, the two of them in in her house at the end. Yeah, because here she's not really able to um, be as assertive against him yet. Cause she, I mean, he's like choking her and like, it's pretty intense. She's not ready for it yet, but she, I like how it, it kind of turns on its head a little bit at the end, which we'll talk about. Yes. Yeah. And, um, 
this is when he um, says the thing about the drink that like he never saw her order anything other than a sea breeze. Right. And he's calling her like a not honest person. And like that, <laughs> that kind of made me mad too, just because it's like, no, it's not, she's not being honest. It's like, she has every reason to not trust people and to not, again, not reveal personal things mm-hmm. about her life to complete strangers. And I think that's a very smart thing that she has done, too. I mean, yes, it's kind of aiding in her isolation that she's already dealing with. But, I mean, you do anything you can to protect yourself when you're feeling this way. I just understand that that part of her about just not wanting to let anybody get too close, you know, even in the smallest of ways, like knowing what drink you like. Yeah. And then he just like makes it even worse when he finally lets her go. And he says, like, you know, thanks for the quickie before he leaves the bathroom. Oh, it's one of those kinds of flights. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That whole thing. (laughs) Fucking jerk. (laughs) Again, but like he doesn't exactly know like what he's doing to her by saying something like that either probably you know right which just makes it even worse yeah um so then honestly this is weird when i took notes on this i didn't take notes on the part on the plane at all which is weird (laughs) i i have no idea because i was just sort of like yeah i just sort of forgot uh there's so much going on (laughs) until until the part where she they're back in their seats she she pretends that she's sick and she uh gets the pen right and <laughs> and um she's holding it back and then she she starts well just before that when she does actually make the call mm-hmm. to to Cynthia that and changes Keith's yeah. room yeah again i love the way she, that she acts this because she every line that she says she's just looking she looks so defeated yeah and i don't know if now i'm wondering like i bet Part of that is true, but maybe part of it's kind of an act. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't know either, actually, because I think she's probably. I definitely think she's emotionally depleted she, a lot. She, she's like, <laughs> you know, now, yeah. I'm gonna do what I can, but I don't know if this is how this is going to turn out. I don't know if I'm going to be mm-hmm. able to change this now that it is in motion. You know, but yeah. I think she at this point also does know that she's going to try. Oh, yeah. And the whole thing about, you know, what I was thinking the whole time. And, and he says, and he's, he does, he does the whole thing. It's like where that people say all the time that it wasn't your fault. And, you know, which is true, of course. But, you know, all those things that are sort of like the pat answer, I guess, or feel yeah, like the platitudes pat, that don't really mean anything. Yeah, exactly. And, and her response is instead, no, that it would never happen again. And then, that scene where she pops the pen into oh his God. throat is just like, I remember, because my wife watched this with me, and she liked this movie when we first watched it. And she right. was just like, both of us were just like, oh, grabbing our throats oh, when he shit. did that. Because, I mean, that is, and there's no blood at all. Mm-hmm. It's a That's what makes it even worse, almost. Yeah. I think you're expecting, like, yeah. to pull it out and just be like, gush of blood. But no, you're, you look at, like, where it actually yeah. went. And that little like, that little hole where your windpipe is, and it's like, oh, that is so much worse because you can. That's one of those things you can feel, you oh, know. Oh yeah, it's it's Ugh. just like, and this is this is you know kind of cra- awful. Craven being restrained, you know, he's restraining himself there, but it's actually a situation where it becomes more effective uh, than you know mm-hmm. having arterial splurt happening here, right? You know. <laughs> Uh, Again, if she planned it to to be that way so that 
she could disarm him but not cause such a you know gotcha. something crazy craziness happening on the plane you know mm-hmm. then that's really smart or if she just kind of got lucky that there was no blood or something you know i right. don't know right <laughs> the way that he shoots that that scene where she does finally tell him about you know and she says um it happened in a parking lot two yeah. years ago mm-hmm. it's because it starts up with a shot on um the, her eyes yeah Mm-hmm. And it kind of goes from too. her eyes to his eyes and like not on her her mouth saying the words or yeah. her face or anything. It's like on just her eyes. So I really liked that. Yeah. I thought that was really good. Yeah. And that she doesn't have to say any more than what she does for you, you to get it. Just you know? know what's going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's one and then of the, the little things, girl and I think kills that, again. Yeah, I, I was going to say though. I think I think that's part of you know Craven as a filmmaker often would I think he would show this restraint of being able to say yeah this is the scene is over this is this is all we need to know or cutting mm-hmm. the dialogue down to you get the point you know kind of thing and i think even though he didn't write this film i you see that yeah. here too just that kind of self editing and the way that he yeah. yeah and the way he presents her telling the story yeah yeah which you know was part of why i struggled with my soul to take this time through was it didn't feel like there was that much of that that self editing going on that there it's was like in so everything much more. that yeah. he wanted to say was in it was in it yeah and less is more is definitely the thing here and the thing is one of the things that about craven he was so private about like his cancer diagnosis i don't actually even know when he was diagnosed with cancer i have no idea so i don't have i don't know if he thought that my soul to take was going to be his last film I, I have no idea. I mean, even you read his biography, it actually ends before Scream 4 was made or released. Uh, so there's no, this is what went on in the last years kind of thing. His final interviews, he doesn't say a thing. He was uh, apparently tweeting uh, till the day he died, just mm-hmm. about normal stuff. And it was just like that. such a shock. And so- yeah. That's why I kind of wonder if if the reason my soul to take feels the way it does is because he was thinking this might be it. This might be my last chance. I don't know. There's just no, there's, I just have no idea. I mean, Those last years of his life are so mysterious, frankly, on, on a personal level. Yeah, that, my soul to take was 2010, right? And yeah. he died in 2015. 15, yeah. That's that's. And he possible. didn't make any movies yeah. between Scream 4 and in 2011. So those last four years, I, I don't know if he was even working on anything for sure mm-hmm. i mean there were films he produced and stuff so so i guess some of that sort of self-editing and some of the things he became very adept at over over the years you know particularly following last house just didn't seem as that's what whenever i i, I don't want to go on a big my soul to take tangent but this is sort of explaining why that's fine we didn't <laughs> right didn't talk about it is i i there's so much about it that i like there's so much that i find interesting but i'm like man this could just use this needed more thought to pare it down to what you really wanted to say mm-hmm. and is my struggle with it that was my big thing just in the first 20 minutes of the movie it's like information overload from like all these different characters and even um i remember the first time i watched it i was like what happened now (laughs) i don't think i could put it i couldn't put it all together it took like a couple of 
tries. Yeah. I mean, cause to, even... like get that movie straight. Cause there's so much, there's just way too much going on yeah. with too many people in there. Yeah. I mean, and then you've got things like Haitian beliefs and native American <laughs> beliefs about the California right. condor. And uh, right. it's, 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 there's, there's a lot, it's a lot. So whereas here, this movie is streamlined and tight exactly. and says exactly what it wants, like. what it wants to say. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes uh, this film um, so much more effective and then, you know, a lot of movies, frankly. As a thriller, it's it's not breaking massive new ground or anything like that. But mm-hmm. I think what it's doing is through the characters, particularly of Lisa, it is telling a survivor's story. It's yeah. And I think in some way relating her story to um, to the 9-11 experience as a nation, you know, mm-hmm. as a nation, we, we had this... <laughs> violation and you know that's you know what what are we doing now you know what 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 is and is what we're doing effective is it going to hurt us more is it you know there's a lot i think if you look at some of the subtext of what could be going on here because we all know craven was interested in all kinds of things uh politics Mm -hmm. being one of them so i think that there is that going on but i mean it's most compelling because of lisa's story and rachel mccann's as an actor uh, delivering this character so well um i think is what makes this movie kind of rise to the top of sort of the post scream era of Craven's films. It works really well in that um that fun, fast paced, you know, thriller, espionage yeah. thing. And, you know, maybe they didn't even have to add, you know, that stuff in about her character. Like it totally could have just been a yeah. cat and mouse thing because between her and Jack and yeah, there there maybe is something to be like some people have criticisms about using sexual assaults as a story in a in a way that's not I, I don't know how to say it, but just where it's not like the focus. It's or not of, about that. Yeah. But that's kind of when I thought about it this time, that's kind of what I liked about it. Yeah. Is that it doesn't have to be just about what happened because what happened has so many ripple effects on all different aspects of your life. Mm-hmm. It informs everything she does here. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's a really good thing to show. Like you could be struggling about things related to it. Yes. But that are not directly re- that you're not thinking about like a just like I was saying with having to do with not trusting people and wanting to to isolate yourself and not wanting to meet new people and like it can manifest itself in all different ways and the the trauma can and it can affect all different aspects of of your life and how you deal with the world and how you deal with people and I think this is a really I I really liked how they showed that in this. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. Um, okay, so we we follow the cha- the you know next. The little girl trips him first. Yeah. I love the look that she gives Jack when she yeah. when he looks back at her and she's yeah. just kind of like meh. <laughs> she's yeah. got this like angry look. Yeah, I love her. Then we have sort of the chase through the airport, which mm-hmm. always uh, fun. Again, yeah. her. St- 
staying on top of it, you know, mm-hmm. taking off her shirt so she's wearing something different. Like, because yeah. people on the planes know, knew she was sitting next to him uh, yeah. that he got stabbed. That's another great moment with the doctor <laughs> when he's in the Oh, bathroom. it's just in your windpipe. Yeah. <laughs> it's just in your windpipe. And he just, like, as soon as he knows that it's not, like, anything fatal, it's when he rips it out. It's so gross. <laughs> it's, it's, it is. So, hey, yeah. that's my scarf. He steals the scarf from the... <laughs> Again, yeah, just like all the little interactions with those same characters yeah. again. It's it's really good the like setup and execution of those with those people, you know. Yeah, um, we don't just like leave them behind, you know, on the plane. Like they have kind of a, a circle arc that they do too, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Like the little girl is flying by herself, and but she ends up becoming a very important part of this. Yep. You know, she kind of saves Lisa like at the end, so she can get off the plane when she trips mm-hmm. Jack. And I don't know, I kind of like that. I like that. I like character, even like when the side characters are given a little bit of an arc is kind of nice. Yeah, that definitely. You know, writers don't forget about stuff like that. Makes it feel like a tighter movie too like it was really mm-hmm. thought through exactly yeah. yeah and she's um like hiding from the security mm-hmm. that are chasing her so she's she's uh, i i like how she's definitely like you know trying to save herself and running for him but she's also thinking in in her mind that she's got to save keith too it's like she's not going to give that up i love that she's that kind yeah. of character too you know yeah and unfortunately the phone she has is the battery's dying she right? steals jack's yeah, yeah she steals jack's phone yeah she tries she to call trip her dad. in the airport. She does trip in the airport, like you said. Um, <laughs> I don't like that part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that that's a, that's an unusual thing for Craven. Like we said, he just doesn't do that very often. That's one of the first things in the Wikipedia entry I noticed about Nancy Thompson um, was something about how Craven uh, conceptualized her from something that his daughter said. Yep about um the treatment of the female character in swamp thing yep. she was like why does she just like trip, trip over no nothing reason, like yeah. for <laughs> for no reason so i i remember you mentioning that in another episode that we did i think it was was it on nightmare probably probably and so i was definitely watching for it. i was like i'm gonna see like if lisa does anything silly like that and i was it was getting it was so good like nothing like that was happening and then she trips over nothing when she's running in the yeah. airport and i was a little disappointed but i'll let it slide because she's awesome otherwise yeah yeah it was, it's, <laughs> it's sort of the one minor slip up and you know speaking of nightmare on elm street and nancy the the final showdown, and I mean this. The, I love this. The, though. <laughs> the, the, the final showdown in her house reminds me so much of the one between Freddie and Nancy. Because when, mm-hmm. um, when Jackson gets there, he's wounded, right? He's on her turf. She's, um, she's She has that down. line that she says exactly to him when she says, you failed, Jack. Yeah. And he says, I'll finish the job. Not in my house. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's what that's she right. says. That's right. And that's you, such a perfect line. But there's even there's even like um you know like she's falling down the stairs. He's hitting him with different things. And then there's a moment that is right out of nightmare. I mean, and I didn't even realize it till this time. Right before she throws the vase at him, she says, "Hey," and she looks at and he looks at her and she throws the vase. That's exactly what Nancy does when she throws the kerosene at Freddy. She says, "Hey!" and he turns around and he oh. and she throws the <laughs> kerosene at him and That's before right. she lights him on fire. I was like, "This was on purpose." I have no doubt that Wes Craven was like, "You know, this is 
This is a little bit like the ending of Nightmare on Elm Street here. <laughs> you know, this sounds this seems with, familiar. With the house with the house being in the middle of a remodel, it kind of feels like it, little booby traps. Exactly. You know? Yeah. There's a, there's that element. They're they're not the it's not a booby trap scene like the other one. But yeah. Or like a lot of Craven movies, actually. But it's really effective. I mean, even after she defeats him and, well, her dad helps. Um, <laughs> who knows? Maybe her dad <laughs> is like Lieutenant Thompson and is actually in the CIA. Who he's knows? He's got to be, right? He's too, he's he's got, too good of a be. shot. He's too, he's, too a ca- great... he's too casual about having shot this guy. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's For him not to have shot. some kind of background. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's the true life inspiration for true lies. That's just... <laughs> why he and his wife divorced, right? Yeah, because all those secrets. Just mm-hmm. like, you know, I can't do this anymore. He had to finally retire. And yeah. Like he's trying to have his normal life now. We got it all figured out, right? Yeah, yeah a- absolutely. So anyway, but what I mean is, you know, he's laying <laughs> on the ground. She hears the police sirens come. She turns her back on him and walks away. Ah. I mean, there's so much in that closing sequence that is like, this is so much like the final showdown between Nancy and Freddie. And I, I think it's kind of cool to see him be able to do it on a budget uh, on a bigger budget sure. you know and to with uh, sort of the experience under his belt um you know of all that time that had gone by i think it's a really one of the really great effective final sequences that he ever made you know and yeah. there's a lot of like uh sydney chase you know ghost face chasing sydney <laughs> right. in there too you know uh he had done a lot of that kind of thing over the years also like just those um those little quirks that you know about your own house that somebody who's never been there before would know like yeah or places that you can hide that you can get to you can go around this way to get back into the kitchen to go yeah. she knows exa- jack and jill bathroom exactly situation that she can play with yeah she knows exactly where her uh you know like field hockey Roll stick across. is and all that stuff yeah the field hockey that's right i said yeah. lacrosse for some reason. yeah oh by the way those early photographs are some of the worst photoshop jobs i've ever seen in a movie those are they so always bad. are <laughs> those are so those bad. kinds those kind of pictures are always so bad in movies i don't know why they don't just like get actual pictures from the actors you know i know well i'm <laughs> like give me a picture when you were 15 just there, Grab one real quick. <laughs> one, one thing that was funny. So um, I I've, I don't know if I mentioned this on the show before, but I sort of acquaintances with uh, Nathan Gamble, who was. Mm-hmm. OK, so I mentioned that before. He was he's been in several films. He's his best known ones are probably The Mist. He's the kid in The Mist. And he's yeah. also he, he was in the Dolphin Tale. He's sort of like the lead in the Dolphin Tale movies. But. His first movie was Babel, the uh, Inarutu movie, and um, he's the little kid in that, along with Al Fanning. He's their brother and sister. Well, they did. Um, they're they're like pictures on the refrigerator in their house and stuff. And his dad mm-hmm. is played by Brad Pitt in that movie. You know? Right. <laughs> well, what they did is they had pictures of of Nathan with his dad and they like photoshopped Brad Pitt's head onto him, onto his body, (laughs) like in the pool and stuff. There's like one where they're in the pool or something like that. And it's like, yeah. And and so it was, it was, I guess, really funny. Some of the things that I, (laughs) I think that's kind of a thing in movies by now where 
all of those old pictures of the characters are just going to be really badly photoshopped. Yeah. Especially when they try to put two actors together, like from when they were like like 10 years ago. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I believe that, that you were yeah. really like hiking on that mountain, you know, the, the, <laughs> back then. The field hockey picture literally looks like they took like a picture from a from a frame, the picture that came with the frame and they they photoshopped her head, on her head onto that. It's just, and, it, and it does it not does. fit at it's just so funny it does anyway (laughs) but but whatever it could be worse right this is also um this last part is is such good stuff for her character too first of all it's great with um cynthia because i think part of this is also like a really good story for cynthia because she starts out like she she's so timid like with the the couple that's pretty much berating her at the beginning and she has to call lisa for help and she's not really that assertive but when she's you know left here alone and she's got to deal with this huge situation like when lisa finally calls her and tells her that you know keith is gonna get killed you know she has to step up and she learns to be a little i like i don't know yeah, i just kind of like it as it's, it's really pulls the fire alarm and she mm-hmm. she kind of takes charge and says you yeah. know we just have to do th- i i love that little arc with her too i i, I think too. that is a really terrific thing <laughs> and it's great for lisa's character that there's someone that looks up to her you know yeah that's really nice too when you look at it that way yeah you're gonna have to fill She's out so a sweet, comment that actress card. <laughs> she asked us to fill out a comment card it's like you can take it and shove it right up your ass and cynthia's right there with her like yeah yeah do that yeah, and they just walk away so <laughs> that's good. a great way to end the movie yeah <laughs> uh but this stuff with the, the, the final fight with um, her and Jack also has some great stuff with her character. First of all, like when she gets there, um, I like how she just like freaking crashes the car into the guy yeah. <laughs> in the front door, the, the guy that's outside of her dad's house. And when she gets in there, I think it's really important when she gets to be the one to ask her dad, are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's a complete inversion of, uh, she would get, she would get so tense whenever anybody would ask her that there's a part when um she's making the phone call to Cynthia and there's like turbulence on the plane and she says something and she's like, please do not ask me if I am okay again, you right. know, cause mm-hmm. she's obviously not okay. And that's like, one of, sometimes that's the last thing that you want to hear. Cause if, especially if you don't want to talk about it or anything, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so much, so much stuff she, that she does in here. Like she stabs him with her shoe. Yep. <laughs> and she pretty much just like turns everything that's happened before in the movie around. Like you know, asking her dad if she's okay. She also she headbutts Jack, so she kind of gives that right back to him. And she gives she says um something she says his line uh back to him that that you know where's your male driven fact based logic now, Jack? And when um. They have like a physical confrontation um, in her room after she like freaking goes wild on him with the field hockey stick. And he kind of looks a little scared yeah. at first the way that the way that she's coming at him. He does. It's the same thing that happened in the bathroom on the plane when he gets her like pushed up against the wall. But this time she's actually able you know, to say no when she's mm-hmm. fighting him. And when when he finally stops, he's got her pinned. And all, she the first thing she says is like, you're pathetic. Mm-hmm. Is it, she's able to to say that to him in that moment you're which nothing. is super important you're yeah you're nothing you're shit which is again bringing it back to Nightmare on Elm Street <laughs> exactly there you go there you go so it's like kind of feel uh, this may be just a little stretch or whatever it's kind of just feels like she's 
fighting her trauma in here when she's fighting him and like finally being able to say the things that she hasn't let herself say or hasn't let herself feel this kind of strength that she obviously does have inside of her yeah yeah. And um, again, you know, when after Jack is shot, a little, yeah, a little bit not cool that she doesn't have the final, you know, shot that takes him down. But right. that I thought that too. I thought that too. It would have been better if like she had taken the final shot. Yeah. You know, even though he, he doesn't, doesn't seem like he yeah. is going to die. No, it's a little bit like the, the, you know, the Sam Loomis stepping in at the end of Halloween moment. You yeah. Know? I shot him six times. <laughs> We're in Halloween season. I can say that, right? (laughs) (laughs) But again, like by the end of the movie, she's the one asking everyone else if they're okay. She's the one calling Mm -hmm. Cynthia. Are you okay? Is Keith okay? Is everybody okay? Mm -hmm. And I I hadn't noticed that before. And I thought that was one of those things like a a really good writer will put in that maybe you don't notice unless you're looking for for stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, it's something you just kind of say, you know, Mm -hmm. but when it's... In the context so of what she's going to through, what she has said about herself throughout much uh-huh. of the film, it makes it have real meaning. Yeah, it has all the meaning mm-hmm. by the end. I think. Yeah, because so. you don't know how she's gonna deal with you know what she's been through with Jack. Say, but maybe she can handle it a, a little bit better now. Yeah, that she's got the strength, you know, and she stands up to like we've already said to the the tailors at the end. She's not going to be the people pleaser anymore, I think, is the thing, right. you know? Right. All right. Good. I'm glad we talked about this. We we had an interesting conversation beforehand. Um, <laughs> so, But hey, we did it, and I think it was good conversation, too. So, um, I hope so. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So we did want to mention uh, in our recommendations here, you, you brought up the idea of mentioning a couple of Craven films that we find maybe are not as are not pushed into the top echelon uh, you know not as loved as some of his others okay this was one that i hadn't seen until when did i watch this last year within the last year i hadn't i i hadn't seen it yet because it was kind of hard to find and then um i hadn't heard great things about it but when i watched it I really liked it. <laughs> Even you said, like, when I was like, hey, I'm watching this movie, you said, it's it's a movie. <laughs> so I, I think I, I like I, it a I little like bit it. more. <laughs> I like it. I think it, I, I think I like it more than a lot of people do, to be honest with you. Yeah. That's what I think. I, that I like it, I think, a little bit more than other people do. And that's uh, from 1981, Deadly Blessing. Um, I don't know. I just, I had a lot of fun with it. It was, it's especially fun to watch it and to see all of the stuff that he would do later on in Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street, Street. like, yeah. like completely taken from that. My God. The snake, no. the snake mm. in the, ah. in the bathtub scene is, is like lifted right into it. Yeah. Yeah. Sharon, Sharon Stone in that blue, whatever. Yes. Oh gosh. Whew. Not do bad not to hate look at. that. Is that what, you, yeah. is that what you're saying? Yeah, do not hate that. <laughs> but I think it does a really good job of uh, the c- creepy imagery. Like one yeah. thing that I remember too, like the snake. Yes, but then there's also when there's like a, a giant spider, yeah. like on the wall mm-hmm. or something. I think when it, is it Sharon Stone? Yeah, when she's she sees it like before she's going to bed and like she still goes to bed. No, that's when you burn the house down. Yeah, he's really good at like those. 
little moments like that. And plus, I thought it was kind of fun. And the ending, mm-hmm. I know, okay, I get what you mean about the ending kind of being against it, what it, it, the it movie does. was trying to say, but it's still, <laughs> it's still it's, really the cool. ending is still, <laughs> it's so cool. And I was watching, I was watching the movie and I was thinking that, hey, I actually kind of like this. This is fun. And then the ending happened. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I really, really like this movie now because that was pretty, yeah. pretty fucking cool. Yeah. So Yeah. I mean, if you think too hard about it, you're just got to like, so basically saying the Hittites were right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> okay. Uh, and that was Craven's ending. A lot of people were like, was he forced into having a shock ending? And it's like, no, he actually felt that the ending needed more. So he was the one who suggested nice. that ending. Uh, that's something that I learned. I'm glad he did. I learned from some interviews with him. That's you know, at least what he said. I mean, at the time. So, you know, whether that is... You know, some of the times with interviews around when a movie is coming out it's hard to know because they have to promote the film you know they have to promote the film uh later in his career he didn't play nice so much you know like i said about (laughs) crave about uh cursed and stuff so i kind of struggled around with this one because i like a lot of them um i and i do like my soul to take i i think people should give that movie a shot you can mm-hmm. kind of do another pass of editing in your mind while you're watching it and say, all right, it didn't need that. If it wasn't there, that would be good. That that would work better or whatever. You can do that in your head, I guess. And, and it works for me overall. What's the people thing that I people say is down like, with that movie. good concept. Don't love the execution entirely. Yeah. Yeah. Could have been a lot better. Yeah. I know he found it. He was a really personal film to him too. So I find it kind of painful that kind of, because I'm like, oh, it's better than I thought it was. And then I watch it again. It's like, no, nah, it's maybe not as good as that. You know, so I'm sort of I'm sort of settling into what how I feel about that movie, I think. Uh, really, that's my only criticism with it is that it is just too much for one movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I think if it had been a lot more streamlined, like something like Nightmare or Red Eye. Yeah. You know, and have kind of focused on like maybe one act. There's too much information mm-hmm. about all these different characters and there's too many different concepts going on at the same time Yeah, is where I just think that otherwise I think it's a lot of fun. I think there's a lot of good <laughs> the stuff. The way that he, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, the way that he shoots it. I love the, I love the little mirror scene between yeah. Alex and bug, like that yeah. kind of stuff. It's, there's a lot of really cool ideas that yeah. he gets to do, but a little too much. Yeah. Probably too many of them. Otherwise, yeah, exactly. There's, um, on the the deleted scenes have the alternate ending and i really like the alternate ending to it because it shows bug walking down the street with alex at the end they're like having a conversation with each other and just talking about how things are going and you see the rest of the riverton seven around him and they all disappear one by one and it cuts um, before it, it bug keeps walking and you find you see he's on his own and it, and it goes to black and you are left to wonder uh, if he was also killed uh-huh. it's at it's at a point where they with the rhythm of the editing where he could have disappeared after the fade to black after the cut to black and it's just like uh-huh. i found it really and the last person that he says goodbye to is penelope and it's just sort of this touch, <laughs> touching thing. And it's almost like Craven coming to terms with elements of, you know, his religious past. And, you know, his mother, I think, was probably a lot like that character. And 
you know, it's, it's, that's tough for him. You know, he, he, he essentially wrote his mother into the Hills have eyes. His, his mother was the mom character in that movie. So he, he has this, of course, deep affection for his mother, but at the same time, sort of like this, um, she was also sort of a representative of the authority of the church, you know, in her house, you know? And so that was, that's a challenge for him, I think. Um, so, but I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I was accused of putting uh, uh, Craven on the on the psychologist's couch, which maybe I did. Uh, but you know, that's okay. Um, my, my, uh, the one I think I'm gonna pick is the one that I think people hold in high regard, but I just don't hear people talk about that much. Is the people under the stairs? Now, the more I watch that one, the more I think I just l- truly think more highly of it. I mean, it is. It is exactly the movie he wanted to make. He didn't have any interference from from a studio. You know, they said, you know, we're hiring you to make the movie that you want to make, make the movie you want to make. And so he did. Uh, I think it's a little bit more refined than Shocker, who which was made under the same circumstances. I like Shocker. Uh, Shocker is another one of those movies where it's got lots and lots of ideas and, 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 yeah. and should have picked one you know um you know uh, it's a lot of fun though yeah it's yeah. a lot of fun I, I i i think shocker is one of those movies where i just have a good time with it and i always think mm-hmm. this could be about 20 minutes shorter <laughs> you know um where people under the stairs i actually every time i watch it, it's like this movie is just more and more interesting to me every time i watch it um, there's a lot going on yeah, in that one. Yeah. yeah and i think it's his most uh sort of politically raw film since Mm -hmm. last house it's got sort of that grounded in reality sense even though the house does feel like it's set in this other dimension it Um, is in its own dimension yeah um there's all these and you know fool is such a such like like lisa you know he's such a great character he's not only a kid but Mm -hmm. he's african-american he's making friends with this sheltered uh, little girl in the house of very Alice in Wonderland. Her name is Alice, you know, so yes. there's, so there's all of this going on and that so much of it just takes place inside that house is mm-hmm. really cool too. I think it's uh, the more I watch it, the more impressed I am with what he's doing with that film. And um, yeah, he's making statements about uh, gentrification and rich people hoarding all the money's all the stuff from the neighborhoods yeah. that could be helped helping the poor, you know, and the allegories are thick, you know, in that movie. Yes. <laughs> but, but at the same time, the characters are so interesting. <laughs> Mommy and daddy are so bizarre and so weird, you know, when you uh, see the gimp suit and all that so stuff that's going on. Yeah. And that. It's just like, what are, am I watching? Um, yeah. But then fool and his sister and Alice are just so, real feeling and so mm-hmm. you know and just sort of these emotional beings and it's it's sort of wonderful to see that so i don't know i i think that i i wish that there was more conversation around people under the stairs as one of the top tier craven films because i really think it it is that good i haven't seen that one that much but i do like it a lot yeah, yeah. i haven't watched it in a long time yeah, I mean, That's like I said, definitely a good one. A lot of these movies. I mean, okay, so it started out in 2020. I decided, hey, I'm just going to do a, a watch through of all of Craven's films. I've never done it, and I sought out ones that were hard to find. I sought out, you know, the television stuff he directed. So I w- looked for everything he directed. Uh, the only you one still haven't watched his porn. I though. still haven't watched his porn. <laughs> That's the only one though, and the only I haven't watched it either. It's the only thing. Period. He directed that I haven't seen. 
because I have seen all of his Twilight Zone episodes. Uh, I saw his episode of Nightmare Cafe, uh, as crappy mm-hmm. as the quality of it is. Uh, I saw his, you know, Disney movie of the week, Case Busters. I saw all of that stuff. All, you know, Chiller. You watched and Chiller? I watched Chiller. I watched. I uh, tried. It's not. <laughs> it's, copy I have it's, it's rough. So bad. It's rough. It's, it's really, so rough. really I couldn't hard. Do it. Yeah. Uh, Invitation to Hell. I watched Summer of Fear. I watched all of them mm-hmm. in order. <laughs> so I did that whole watch through. And then I decided, you know, I think I, I started seeing these themes. So I wrote the next year, I, I pitched and I wrote this series on Craven about, um, you know, religious themes in his films. And so I watched most of them again. <laughs> well, lo and behold, this year, I was approved to write two different book chapters on Craven on different subjects. So I watched all of them again, not all of them, but most of them again, essentially twice, once for each article with different focuses. Mm -hmm. And now I'm just kind of like, I'm going to watch some Cronenberg. (laughs) You know what I mean? Do it all over again with another director. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, maybe not quite Just keep going and going. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe not, maybe not quite, quite involved. Quite so many rewatches. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, I there are some I never get tired of. Like I, I've mm. watched Nightmare on Elm Street. Frankly, I think I've watched it ten times in the last two years, and I don't get tired of it. I, I've watched New Nightmare multiple times over the past year. Or two. Those have been some of our my favorite yeah. conversations that we've had yeah. about those movies. Yeah, and I don't get tired of those. Uh, Hills Have Eyes, I think, is... I, I actually think the original Hills Have Eyes is kind of underrated now because people like the remake so much, which is fine. I mean, I, 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 do. I, I know that people love the remake. I think it's really, really good. Uh, I'm just so enthralled by the original, personally. I know most people think the remake's better. Uh, which is fine. I, I'm not going to argue with you on that. I just haven't watched the remake that much just because I find the original so compelling. So in a weird way, that one is, even though it's considered one of his great movies, is I think kind of underrated because of that fact. So it's interesting. It, you know, Craven is one of those guys where he he had high highs and low lows. Yeah. But at the same time, I hear people when I say, some of those things that I, some of those that I think are low lows, they're kind of like, I really like that movie. Like, all right, good for you. You know, and, and I'd love that. Everything, everything has its fans somewhere, yeah. you know? Yeah. Cause I mean, I, I was asked, what do you think the worst Wes Craven movie is? And I said, Swamp Thing. And they're like, oh, I really like that movie. You know, and something is so fun. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like, I just find it very hard to watch or or and weirdly i found hills of eyes part two I, I know it's not good but weirdly i found it like well it's kind of a typical slasher movie of the period and it's not <laughs> bad i mean there are worse slasher movies than the hills have eyes part two oh, sure. <laughs> um uh, sure. so so i mean a deadly friend i think there are moments of it that i really like um as well there's I mean, stuff about that that i really really like yeah and then and, and, then and there it's are fun other too. things there, and then there are other <laughs> things that are like uh, not great <laughs> but that are also fun yeah i know i know and that's the thing it's 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 one of the things you not love the basketball come on well everyone loves the basketball i, I wasn't was i well, sure. i was not talking about okay. the basketball scene okay you know it's just kind of interesting what I like, yeah, what I see in movies like that, even some of his lesser liked movies, I always see that he's trying to do something more than 
what the movie you know could have been in lesser hands you know yeah like he always tries to bring uh, mostly through the characters it seems like he he always tries to give it a little bit more depth than just a surface level slasher or mm-hmm. something silly with with robots and deadly yep. friend you know yep. he he at least attempts to um give it real heart and at least some gravitas so you you know, care about these people <laughs> Well, yeah, and he's talking and he was really, he was really good about at that. family all the time. I mean, that's one yeah. of the big things uh, that he talked a lot about family. He talked a lot about trauma. Yeah. Like he in Deadly he Friend. I mean, even say. there's there's so much of that that is about the family you're born with and the family you find. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot about that. I mean, Music of the Heart we already talked about in depth, but so much of that is just family drama, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and pretty effective family drama you know, all these are like not ones that he wrote yeah but when you can see that through line he definitely had an effect i would say well it, he he chose his projects too yeah yeah the only one that I, well, I, mean, I was about to say scream doesn't really deal with family but it does actually because that's the yeah, whole impetus for everything <laughs> that happens in yeah, those movies is <laughs> is his uh you know the fact that billy's mom or Billy's dad had an affair with with Sydney's mom mm-hmm. is the whole motive of the whole thing is this family thing, uh, this family drama thing. So I mean, it's it's just fascinating that family that's the not case. being who you thought they were. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, and it, yeah. that just keeps going. Like yeah, and the killers all turn out on. to be family members. Uh, sure. all throughout the series. <laughs> Spoiler alert: If you haven't seen the screen movies and you listen to this what? show, you're probably um, listening to the wrong <laughs> show, um, but <laughs> and watching, um, especially I think with Scream Five, really cemented Sydney Prescott as really, really high up in like my favorite female character heroines sure. of of horror. Like her entire story and arc. And what it says about dealing with trauma, and she's just amazing, especially in Scream Five. It's like she is so like badass in that movie, and she knows it. Yeah, I mean, it's like I've been this through this before. Yeah, and she just really kind of I don't know. I I I always liked her, but I don't know for some reason it was it took that movie for it to like really cement, like because I mean it's not just like a one like that. That's actually really good. Now that I'm sorry, I'm thinking as I'm, I'm talking as I'm thinking. <laughs> it's like usually you only get you know to deal with you know what happens with a final girl in one movie, but she's had five movies, and it's mm-hmm. just been so great to to watch the way that she's evolved, the way that she's used you know her trauma to help other people. You know, she's a yeah. crisis counselor in one, and she writes a, a self help book. You know, she's always trying to she's yeah. using it to like help other people yeah and still always putting herself in in harm's way to save other people even people that she doesn't even know like which is why um, i think sydney is so much more interesting in the in her arc than say you know Lori. i think her her arc Lori strode her arc in h2o in a way is stronger than the one they set up for her in the new ones because she's so damaged (laughs) I mean, she's she in in the new one. She but is she is that's very real though. Yeah, I mean, and you could say it's it's so. Uh, and this is a much longer conversation on a 
yeah. different subject. We're heading far afield here. But I think what she's doing, and there are different ways, different people handle trauma different ways. And so mm-hmm. I think Lori, you know, spending 40 years, you know, isolating herself so thoroughly, uh, being prepared for the return of this guy, you know, to the point where she has traumatized her child and grandchild is dark. And that's really dark. I believe it, though. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I think Sydney's is much more hopeful. I should say it's not. It's not that one is bad that's... and one is good, but Sydney's is more hopeful, whereas yeah. Lori's is very dark in that timeline. I think her timeline in Halloween one two H two O is much more hopeful than that. Unfortunately, it ends with resurrection, and that's yeah, kind of yeah. kind of unfortunate. Unfortunate, <laughs> but we can we can pretend that movie doesn't exist, and that's that's fine with everybody. I think involved. Sorry to all the Halloween resurrection fans out out there. And then we have the same thing here in Red Eye, kind yeah. of. You know, we have a heroine dealing with trauma in a different way that. I think a lot of people relate to. I definitely related to it. That's why I liked this one. I always liked this one, but I think I definitely liked it a lot more this time around. Again, mm-hmm. something I love that happens with the show. You just kind of you appreciate a movie you've always liked even more. I always loved, I like I wrote an article about Lisa for one of my, my heroines of, of yes. horror series that I did on Wicked Horror. And I I almost would want to go back and like revise that. It's like, no, I'm seeing like there's so much more going on that sure. just makes her even I read that article. more it's awesome a, than yeah, I that's than a really I good piece. That's a really good piece. I read that one. Thank you. Um, yeah, but kind of uh, that was several years ago, and but now again, like just being able to to relate to the character and kind of know a little bit more about what she's going through and what she's thinking, I definitely see that this is a very well rounded, well realized character, both in the writing and in the acting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think definitely needs to, I mean, people love Red Eye, but has should have a lot more praise and fans. Yeah. Know, if I think maybe even just for that specific reason. Yes, it's a fun thriller movie, great actors. It's short and snappy and quick. And, but that aspect of it really, really gets to me. And I, I think it definitely should be a lot more appreciated for what it's doing in that regard, you know, to her character. Yeah, I would agree. Okay, so next time we've got something a little different than we originally planned going on. But I, I like this, this a little bit more, though. Yeah, it's not typical. It's atypical, if you will. Yeah, because most everybody, you know, for Spooky Month, you got to talk about the big name movies when it comes to especially horror, obviously, you know. Yeah. But those movies have all been talked to death, so... I thought let's do something a little different and let's just talk about movies where you just get the feeling of Halloween or of the season from them, even though even even if Halloween is not the central you know thing that's that the movie is about. Yeah, and we've got a really cool uh, different uh, yeah. pairing. This going is on different. <laughs> this is different. So, all right. So. Um, I have chosen a movie that I did not realize how ingrained Halloween was into it until I watched it uh, in its IMAX re-release recently on the big, the, the very big screen um, for its 40th anniversary. So, Steven Spielberg's my favorite Steven Spielberg movie. Yes, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'm willing to say that. We're going to talk about E.T. the Extraterrestrial, uh, a movie that is 
got Halloween to its bones. I, I just had no idea how much until recently. I haven't seen this in so, so long. This was one that I definitely saw when I was a kid, but it wasn't one of those that stayed with me as mm-hmm. a kid. I think I was a little afraid of it, and so yeah. I kind of avoided it. A lot it. of people were. I know a lot of people that are like, don't even bring up E.T. because you're going to freak my someone yeah, out. Yeah, we had a copy of it, but it wasn't one that is as ingrained in my childhood as it is in everybody else's. So it's been like a good probably 20 years since I've watched E.T. So this should be I cool. saw it a few weeks ago. <laughs> so, but, <laughs> but I'm happy to watch it again, honestly. Awesome. And then the one that I have chosen is a movie that anybody could really use to get them into the fall spirit because that's just what I get from it. It feels very like warm and, and cozy to me. Uh, Practical Magic from 1998. A movie I've never seen all the way through. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's got your woman in it and she's a redhead. I, Come on, Brian. Well, <laughs> you talked me into it. So. It's got your woman and my woman in it because Sandra Bullock is my favorite All actress right. <laughs> like ever. So this would be good. Okay. I hope you like it. <laughs> Nicole's going to scare me, isn't she? She's like, no. she's like the villainess, isn't she? She is possessed. <laughs> oh, cool. I'm, I'm down with that. Okay. All right. Um, well, <laughs> You really do need to watch the movie. <laughs> I really do. I, I haven't. It's been a long time. I hope you like it. Yeah, I'm sure I will. I'm sure it'll be fun. Okay. All right, cool. All right. So we are full gear into spooky season here, and I uh, hope everyone's enjoying it so far and watching lots of good movies. And thanks for hanging out with us as we decided just to change things up a little bit for this episode from what we uh, originally planned and announced but it's our show it's our show we can do what we want exactly (laughs) yeah so uh real quick uh, if you want to follow me on twitter you can find me at brian waves 42 on twitter you can find me at michelle in aiken and you can follow the show at Movie Life Pod. Uh, we've had some kind of fun interactions over the past few weeks here. Because we're actually using the Twitter. Yeah, hey. it's been fun to see everyone's um, see everyone post their like some of their forever favorites. Uh, we talked about some other. What's some other recent things that we've talked about? Lots of things. We've been we've been just sort of throwing things out there and and asking people's opinions and having having a good time interacting over there. Wanting more engagement with our friends and listeners, please. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, you can leave us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, you can fill out a comment card and if it's a five star <laughs> comment card, you can post that for us. If we'll it, take it. Yeah. If it's a one star, you can see the end of Shove uh, it up your red ass. eye. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, I like that. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good callback, Brian. That, that was a good callback. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Nice. Um, anyway. Yeah. That's, that's all I got. Hope. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Awesome. Be safe, fly the friendly skies, and you know what? I I liked the name of the airline in this movie is Fresh Fresh Air. Air. (laughs) What is that? Isn't that like a podcast or a radio station or something like that? I don't know. It's like a right wing radio station or something like that. Now I don't know. God, I hope not. I don't know. Anyway, what are we gonna do? We'll see you all next time. Bye. (laughs) Bye.